is going on everybody welcome into another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous thursday june 8th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas Stu is out on assignment today wrapping up saudi and the pga tour merger he's he's been around the world um the past couple weeks up in Russia and now Saudi. Um, I only kid. He is out on assignment today. So I'm going to rock a quick solo show, but we do have a packed menu. I, I teased the Live Golf PJ Tour because I want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, it's going to divert a little bit from the normal oil and gas talk, but I think Stu ironically ran an article on Energy Newsbeat and sort of tied in what I think is some more geopolitical games that are going on. So I want to cover that a little bit. We also did see um, President Biden go ahead and sign that Fiscal Responsibility Act, um, which does have some some pretty interesting um, revisions to the, uh, the the NEPA process, which if you're in mining and metals, you're very familiar with that. A National Environmental Policy Act, which basically um, is the entire review board that you have to do in order to get really large projects, regulatory projects approved, like you know gas pipelines, mines, and or large renewable projects. This uh, funding that came from the avoidance of the debt ceiling or what they call the Fiscal Responsibility Act, which is hilarious, by the way. We'll cover um, what changes to NEPA and what, Mike, to look at. Then we'll kick it over. I'll quickly touch on oil uh, prices. We did see the EII come out with you know only a 500,000 barrel draw, which was a little bit less than what we expected, but we did see prices rise. I think Reuters is just pulling for headlines, so we'll cover all that and a bag of chips, guys. But first, check us out. As always, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy news. We really appreciate everybody who visits us. You know, it's it's pretty awesome. We appreciate, again, the support. Hit the description below. Um, you can see links to all of the articles. Dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your data and energy news combined. Get it while you still can. It's definitely going behind a paywall soon. So you're gonna be you're gonna miss out on that. Um, but let's go ahead and dive into it here. Let's talk debt ceiling first, if, mainly because I think that's the you know, your your top line energy headline line of the day. President Biden go ahead and signs that Fiscal Responsibility Act, aka the FRA, um, which go ahead and suspends the debt ceiling into 2024 and goes ahead and voids a U.S. default due um, yesterday. A lot of different reforms, mainly to the National Environmental Policy Act, known as NEPA, um, really was uh, burdensome in terms of regulating new processes. For those of you who aren't familiar, NEPA is the governing document that basically controls how large and new energy projects get developed and not oil and gas wells per se. Those are regulated under another set of rules and more at the state level. This is a nationwide process. This is a nationwide review in which, you know, large energy projects, say mines, you know, you know, infrastructure projects, pipelines, you name it, they all go through very intense, intense process. And, you know, I, you know, remember sitting in a class, you know, learning about project finance for mining. And I mean, you you spend four or five years in the NEPA process is what it's called under this these guidelines trying to but before you even are able to go even attempt to raise money it's it's a pretty crazy game I don't envy anybody in the mining space it's literally like you work forty years in the business you go through two mines I mean that's insane just how long in the life cycle that these things go which is a good thing but you know you, you need some fresh projects to work on I get off topic a little bit but what this streamline and and then what was 
piped into this fiscal responsibility act was a streamlining of this process. You know, they they mainly seem to codify the regulations that were released um, in 2022 by the Council on Environmental Quality, um, which has always been the res- the overseeing body implementing the the NEPA regulations and its procedural stuff. Um, you know, these regulations that they rolled out last week contain many opportunities for what they're describing quote as energy or senior agency officials to work around rules and extend permitting timelines. These provisions that the are in the FRA will make it harder for these um, uh, legislators to come back in and undo or lengthen the time or page limits for finishing these environmental rules. It's just crazy. I mean, these documents you're talking are like 60 pages long. I remember reading one of these. It was the Stibite Mine up in Idaho. And you can go to it right now. I think it's uh, Perpetual perpetual, I'm doing this right now, mining or perpetual minerals. I don't think it's perpetual, perpetual production. Nah, it's not it. Something else. It's, uh, it's, uh, what am I trying to say? It's, it's perpetua, perpetua mining. That's what it is. Okay. And, uh, perpetual resources. Okay. Uh, you can look them up. It's AK, the Stibite gold project, which is basically the only thing. And they're basically refurbishing a mine in Idaho. And they're currently in this NEPA project right now. So I'll put the description here, but if you hit, if you go to their website and you hit materials and you hit fact sheets and reports, you go to this page and you'll notice, let me, let's go look, let's go see here. NEPA reports, white paper, dark skies, economic impact. Yes, this was intense. I mean, one of their economic impact reports. I mean, we had, I remember having to read this. So this is the first step of the NEPA process. I mean, we're talking 600 pages. Kill me. Absolutely kill me with these intense things. So again, these are burdensome projects. You want to get a large-scale energy project developed, whether it's a mine, whether it's a wind farm, get ready for thousands of pages of legislation, tens of millions of dollars to comply with the regulations. I mean, this goes back to my whole argument why this is why large entities, why ExxonMobil and Chevron, if you got them in a room secretly, they love regulations and their lawyers and their business dev team love regulations. Why? Because regulations raise the cost of entry for new incumbents. It makes it harder. If you make it harder to permit a well or require more information and need all of this other stuff, Chevron has the ability to eat that. Exxon can do that. You know, smaller operators can't. You squeeze them out because now all of a sudden the the cost to operate a well goes up. And so the streamlining regulations make it easy for incumbents to be washed out by new incumbents because that's what we want. The life cycle of, you know, the reason why prices over time in industries go down is because you have competition. If you don't have competition, that's when we see prices rise. Commodities, again, are a little bit different. But if you just think about it from a, you know, I like to go back to uh, first principles for a second. Economics, you allow more, you, you, you know, pure competition. Well, in pure competition, the price is always at the lowest level. Why? Because there's the barriers to entry are zero. Most of the time, now that's not feasible. It in some industries it is. The caught, you know, like a hot dog, you know, I mean, I, you know, Uber, for example. Ah, that's a hard example. I can't come up with an example as well. But the point is pure competition is going to tell you, hey, the price will always be the lowest it will ever be because the barriers to entry are so little that if someone raises their price a bit, somebody undercuts them and causes them to move their price down. That's not how most industries work. Most industries are what we would categorize as monopolistic competition, okay, where there is some barrier to entry that 
makes it hard for new entrants to come in. And the more you then shift towards oligopoly, which is a small amount of companies controlling a large percentage of the market share, there's some specific chicanery with numbers in there. We don't need to dive into the point is monopolistic competition. There's some barriers to entry, but there's still a lot. There's still competition, but price is not always at the lowest point. In, in an oligopoly where you have a few number of players controlling the price, as you can then see, you get closer and closer to a monopoly as prices continue to rise. So I say all that to say the, the less when Stu talks about, you know, regulations and why regulations hurt and why taxation through regulation and, you know, and why legislation through regulation is real. He says that because you could, it's much harder to legislate away a problem when you could just regulate it and cause it to where now you only have to deal with four companies. If you make it so hard to drill an oil and gas well, you only have to regulate four companies. That's what they do with the banking sector. I mean, it's what they, we've seen that with this whole, that's what they want to do now with these banking laws. We don't want to change our regulations so that we do a better job of doing our job. We, we want to now just lower the number of people there are to regulate. I mean, they want to make the law, they want to change the laws in such a way that they're so complex that there's only four banks that can hold them. Instead of, no, the, 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 what you have on the books is fine. You're just not going to do your job in oversight. It's like the SEC. It's like they're just now coming out and charging Coinbase and Binance. It's like, well, didn't you know this like two years ago? So not that I'm, I, I have nothing to do with the crypto space, but I do think it's interesting they're choosing to come out now versus like they told everybody this in their S1. So a, a little bit there. But again, my point is the more regulations, the harder it is for new entrants. And the more these energy projects have lower regulations, the more you're going to see the cost of these projects go down and the more you're going to see new entrants come in the field. This is probably great for the nuclear business. My hope is that this these rules extend to nuclear. We'll have Stu check in next week on that. But all in all, it, these large energy projects, I'm good for less regulation. If that's what, if that's a buy, if, if, I will check mark that, but we need to be very careful on it. Okay. Let's talk a little bit of live golf and PGA tour. And I'll take a step back for those of you who aren't, you know, most people probably here are golfers. I'm not a golfer myself. I'm more of a sports fan. So I take a more of a sports angle, but I saw this news got broken on when I was watching on CNBC. It's kind of funny. David Faber on CNBC, CNBC got this scoop, the live golf PGA tour merger. CNBC got this, not ESPN, which is funny, but to back it up, live golf or the PGA tour is kind of the established, you know, most exclusive and and highest graded professional tour for men's golfers. You know, two years ago or a year and a half ago, Saudi Arabia started a lease. The Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund, the PFI or the PIF is what it's called, decided to start their own league and pay an enormous sum of money for some of the top players. We're talking two, three, four hundred million dollar contracts for players. And remind you, the PGA Tour, there are no contracts. You win purses based upon your standings in each event. So going, so completely changing the way players were paid and caused a huge rift in the golf community. Some people loved live, some people hated live. Well, now the two are merging in, in complete Michael Scott paper company fashion. Live golf is now going to merge with the PGA tour. The public investment son of Saudi Arabia is going to become basically the premier corporate sponsor and dump billions of dollars into the PGA. And it shocked both 
the business and the sports world. And it was a really interesting moment where two things collide. And of course, what we do at Energy Newsbeat is we figure out how to combine. We have to figure out how that comes in with energy. So I'm going to read you the publisher's note that Stu wrote, and then we'll kind of dive into the fallout. While watching all of the fallout from this wild merger with Liv and the PGA, it occurred to me that we have to wonder how this came about. In stark contrast to the United States energy policies, Saudi Arabia has implemented a Saudi first energy policy for years. While I do not agree with everything going on with the Saudi leaders, I've always applauded their energy policies. They are spending billions on the energy transition and social programs for the Saudi citizens. So don't blame the PGA leadership. Look to the United States for to have the icing on the merger with our weaponizing the dollar, printing money, and destroying the United States energy independence. Stu says all that while brokering the deal between Saudi Arabia and the United States. He's 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 with MBS reaching his hand out. I again I say all that as a joking matter to say, you know, we how this impacts energy, I think, is is a step back and it's more of a geopolitical. Saudi Arabia is attempting to ingratiate itself with the West, is trying to do that. They're paying. They're, they're, they're doing the same thing with some of the top uh, soccer players. Cristiano Ronaldo now plays in Saudi Arabia. There are other players that are, they attempted to get Lionel Messi. He's now looks like as of today, going to uh, again, be getting a little bit of an ownership stake in Inter Miami. So he's coming to the MLS, which is interesting. But in doing all of these moves, they're attempting to ingratiate themselves and continue to gain influence over the Western world. I mean, they all, I mean, think about from a step back, this is very little in my opinion to do with golf from a Saudi perspective and a way for them to continue to ingratiate themselves in Western society. You know, they've I mean, going back to the unfortunate murder of Jamal Khashoggi there, they've had a, a dark cloud over them. And I mean, and remember the original live golf outcry from PGA tour was the nine 11 crowd. Oh, they weren't happy yesterday. And rightfully so. I mean, Saudi Arabia was most likely responsible for 9-11. How do you manage those two things together in terms of, you know, okay, those things are now going to be at forefront of people's minds. And how do we continue again to ingratiate ourselves? Because they feel like we were responsible for 9-11 and we were definitely responsible for the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. How do we continue to wind some of that stuff back? And and this is, you know, one step. And I think Stu brought it up first. They Saudi has been a country of energy, of Saudi first when it comes to everything, specifically energy, specifically oil and gas. And this type of investment is an attempt to diversify, is not so much, in my opinion, an attempt to diversify away from oil and gas. I heard that a lot, that conversation going on a lot. But in my opinion, it's a ingratiating themselves with Western society so that they can continue to do what they want and their bread and butter and, 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 and continue to have oil prices stay. I mean, if all this renewables happens, oil prices will rise. Saudi's going to make a ton of money. Trust me, they're going to make a ton of money. I thought it was funny, you know, but the last thing on this live golf thing, Trump called it. So two years or, you know, last year, July 7, 18th, 2022, on the almost dead social platform, Truth Social, at real Donald Trump, quote, all of those golfers that remain, quote, loyal to the very disloyal PGA in all of its different forms will pay a big price when it comes to the inevitable merger with or the inevitable merger with Liv comes and you will get nothing but a big, quote, thank you from the PGA officials who are making millions of dollars a year. If you don't take the money now, you will get nothing after the merger takes place and only say how smart the original signees were. Good luck to all. And congratulations to the talented Cam Smith on his incredible win. I think that was the U.S. Open when Cam Smith won it, then immediately jumped to Liv. Trump called it last year, the, the PGA Liv merger. You heard it on Truth Social first. So about four people heard it. Stu heard it for sure. 
um, in between running Putin's campaign and 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 basically getting all this set up. He 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 snuck that news to Trump last year. Let's do oil prices quickly. Seventy two forty six as we record this about six twelve here on July seventh. We did see the EIA come out and only do about five hundred barrel or five hundred thousand uh, draw from the strategic petroleum. We were expecting about one point six. Um, so a little weak on that. The only interesting thing I saw that came out really was the fact that you know they're trying to blame more fallout from the from the Saudi lollipop. I know this entire episode was talking about Saudi, but you know with them cutting back the million barrels, that seems to be quote unquote the over overwhelming export. There is some weak Chinese export data out there that didn't signify too much strength in the market, but we did see prices pop a little bit. So the real answer is nobody knows what's going on. I wouldn't trust the headlines on this one. Again, as the US dollar goes down about six tenths of a percentage point, I think you'll see prices or oil prices respond in just that way. I appreciate you guys hanging in with us. We will get a uh, get a recap tomorrow um, for the week. So tune in for that. And then you'll hear Stu and I um, Monday and we'll be covering everything. We appreciate you guys tuning in to the show. As always, you can hit us up, questions at energynewsbeat.com. Uh, uh, for Stuart Turley, who's on assignment, I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow, folks.